If Zach Wilson wins the Super Bowl for the Jets, I will convert to Mormonism. Okay, let's about save this, <laughs> because as soon as that happens, we can send a couple guys over. Yeah, we know a few friends. <laughs> Hashtag safety zone. If he can QB as well as he can put down Chinese food, BYU will be fine. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. The topic of the day, the topic du jour, if you will, is Big 12 expansion. We've mentioned it many times. This feels a little different. How different, we don't know. And that's why we brought on a guy that may have those answers from the Oklahoman. He is the columnist. He is Barry Trammell. And uh, Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Glad to do it. How's things in uh, in Utah today? Things are pretty good. Uh, expecting temperatures in, you know, the upper 80s, sunshine. You can't beat that in August. Yeah, well, we're, we've got a heat wave. We've hit the hottest part of the year, so so pray for us that we, we don't will. We, we will pray for you. As somebody that grew up in Missouri, I, I certainly understand the, uh, the Midwest and the humidity and everything that comes from uh, July and August in the Midwest. So I, I certainly feel for you. Uh, and speaking of things that are hot right now, uh, BYU to the Big 12. Over the last uh, 12, 14 hours, there's been a lot of stuff, and, and you were right at the forefront with your piece calling BYU a no-brainer to join the Big 12. Why do you think BYU is a no-brainer? Well, I mean, the Big Big 12 sooner, sooner or later is going to be down to eight schools, and that's not that's not uh, anything you can just uh, live with in, in modern collegiate athletics. Uh, a 10 team conference might not be enough. They might have to go to 12. And so the big 12's got to supplement, got to fortify. And clearly the best option out there for the big 12 now, as in the past is Brigham Young. BYU is a power five athletic department that just doesn't happen to be in a power five conference. Anybody else you add sort of going to have to make an adjustment uh, you have belief they might can do it, probably can do it. But you don't have to worry about Brigham Young. Brigham Young's a ready-made product on all fronts, but particularly football. Uh, the geography, you know, it can be challenging, but the Big 12's a little bit used to stretching itself. West Virginia's been in the league now a decade. And I just, I just think the uh, advantages of Brigham Young uh, are just so overwhelming that there's really not a decision to be made. The Big 12 has to invite BYU. Uh, you know, Sunday play and some of the social issues will always come up uh, when when it comes to, to BYU and, and, and their name and, and conference expansion. Um, are those some of the things that you believe will keep BYU out of the Big 12? Or you know, I, can those things be worked yeah. out? Well, I think they can be worked out, and they can be worked out easily. When it comes to Sunday play, there's an easy solution. Don't schedule Brigham Young on Sunday. <laughs> That's a great line. I <laughs> love that. On Sunday. <laughs> There's nothing difficult about this. It's simple. You know, if, if you got your, if you got the, uh, you know, the baseball or the softball or the volleyball championship scheduled for a Sunday finish, move everything up a day. These are difficult times. And if, if Brigham Young helps this league uh, stability-wise and financially, you don't worry about some of these sports calendars. So now the social issue would be a much tougher deal. Um, you guys know way more about this than I do. You've been dealing with it, you know, for decades, particularly with the PAC 12, but even in this part of the country, if you'll remember that five years ago, 
some of the advocacy groups wrote letters to the Big 12 presidents and to the Big 12 office saying, do not, do not uh, admit uh, Brigham Young to the conference. And that's the kind of thing you look at if you're sitting there trying to decide whether to expand or if you're sitting there trying to decide, well, you know, Bigham Young might help, they might not. But when the, the vitality of your conference and the, uh, the economic uh, stability of your conference is in question, those things become less important. And, uh, you know, uh, to Brigham Young's credit, I don't know that Brigham Young has ever, has ever uh, played the uh, discrimination card itself, you know, the religious discrimination card which I think Brigham Young would have every right to do in, in many cases of these. So these, if, if people just sit down, Brigham Young, I've, you know, from what I've read, BYU has made a, a lot of uh, concessions over the years, not to conferences, but to on their own campus in terms of changing of the honor code and those things. So, um, you know, I understand some of the concerns people make, but uh, I think it also sometimes you have to see both sides and, I'm not sure that uh, people have been real quick to do that, uh, to, uh, to sort of uh, try to understand Brigham Young's uh, stance on, on some of these situations. So that's something you can work with. It's something you have to deal with. It would, it, would have to, it would have to be vetted. It would have to be discussed. But I don't think that will be a barrier to inclusion in the Big 12. You know, Barry, this is an interesting question because I, I don't know if even the Big 12 knows right now. What do they want for themselves? What are they trying to accomplish? They know Texas and Oklahoma are, are out the door, whether it's, whether it's in a couple of years or if they buy themselves out or whatever the case may be. What does the Big 12 want for itself? Well, when you, when you say Big 12, you got to sort of distinguish what you're talking about. Are you talking about the conference as a whole, or are you talking about solitary uh, members within the Big 12? Um, frankly, for the last five weeks, the eight members of the Big 12 who are, who are left behind have been on two paths. They've all been seeking solid footing. They've all been seeking uh, financial uh, solid future, which is in question without Oklahoma and Texas. And the uh, television contracts coming up for bid here in about three years. So that's not that's not uh, set in stone their, their financial viability. So they've they've had to uh, worry about two things: finding potentially finding a new conference home for themselves, while also, if that doesn't come to fruition, fortifying the Big Twelve. Yesterday, which Thursday was a big step when the Pac-12 said we're not going to expand for now, but that means uh, you know they could later, but. Uh, for now, it looks like these eight schools need to forge ahead and go about the business of, of keeping the Big 12. Two things, one, financially viable, and two, retaining status as, a, as an autonomy five, a power five conference. So um, I think they probably shifted the narrative away from worrying so much about, you know, is Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and two other schools going to go to the pack? Or, you know, is Iowa State and Kansas potentially going to the Big Ten or West Virginia to the ACC? Clearly, the, the PAC was the biggest threat to poaching the, some, some schools from the Big 12. If that's not going to happen anytime soon or at all, then the Big 12 needs to go ahead and, and make a go of it with those eight. 
they uh, they have a lot of disadvantages. They got to have have a lot of challenges, but they also have some things going their way, and they have some things they can sell. And that's why a school like Brigham Young, uh, you know, you don't have to go grab Brigham Young and sort of carry him along until they get up to speed. Brigham Young would come in and fortify the league. It would it would help uh, the Big Twelve immediately, both on the marketplace with television contracts, but also on the field of play. So. To me, uh, a Brigham Young Big 12 marriage uh, would do nothing but help the conference for the long term, for the future, but also immediately. So, Barry, I mean, you bring up some good points. I think us as fans and analysts can can see that, you know, BYU is the, the best option out there for the Big 12. But what about the other way around? Is Is BYU going to the Big 12? Is that a good fit for BYU right now? Well, the fit would be good. I would be, uh, I would go in with some questions if I was Brigham Young. Um, I actually think, uh, I think uh, the Big 12 needs BYU more than the BYU needs the Big 12 at this point. Now, that doesn't mean they don't need each other. They both need each other immensely. But there's a little bit more risk for BYU. Um, What if Brigham Young joins the Big 12 and then in 2025, the Pac-12 changes its mind and, and poaches four members. Now, um, I don't know if that will happen. Frankly, it's potentially possible the Big 12 could could strengthen itself and make it to where those four members, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, whoever, you know, whatever four we want to throw out there, don't want to go to the Pac-12. I can tell you that all things being close to equal financially, staying together in the Big 12 is the ideal for these schools. They don't really, you know, it doesn't break OSU's heart that they don't get to go to the Pac-12. Now, financially, it's a problem. But they want to keep this conference together, if at all possible. But if you're Brigham Young, you need to make sure that's that's likely to happen. You don't want to be here four years from now and starting over again. So those are some of the questions I would ask. But I do think the Big 12 would help Brigham Young. Um, You know, BYU, you guys – you guys know more than I would, but it seems like its national profile has has slipped a little bit in recent years. Last year certainly helped um, with uh, you know with Zach Wilson and, and the great season, but it just seems like the profile of BYU has slipped a little nationally. I think that can I think that can be uh, brought back up pretty quickly with a steady diet of Power Five uh, opponents in, a, in particularly in a conference. So. Um, you know, there's, there's tons of advantages to being in, in a conference, a power five conference like this. So I think that would be great for Brigham Young, but I would want some assurances that this thing can get stable and stay stable. Barry, one last question for you before we let you go. And we appreciate your time here on BYU Sports Nation. You know, you have mentioned it. Others have mentioned BYU being seriously discussed. It was reported this morning that there is a subcommittee meeting today to discuss expansion within the Big 12. With everything that we know as of right now, do you believe that BYU will receive an invite to the Big 12 at some point? Yes, I do believe that. Um, I don't necessarily think it'll be quick. The Big 12 is not in a hurry uh, because, frankly, the Big 12 wants to slow play the, uh, the exodus of OU in Texas. They want Oklahoma and, T- and Texas to stay in the league four more seasons. They want that television contract 
to remain intact and paying the big numbers it's been paying for as long as possible. So they're going to play the long game. Uh, I think any talks with Brigham Young would not have to be expedited. I don't think they have to say, hey, we need you guys next year. In fact, I I think what's most likely is they would lay out a scenario by which the Big 12 would say, hey, we want you the year after OU and Texas leave, um, and we'll get put together a new contract, all those kinds of things. Uh, So I don't think this is necessarily going to be a quick situation, but I do think the decision will come quickly. Hey, we need to get together because it just makes too much sense for both sides. I agree. Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman. Barry, great stuff as always. Again, we appreciate you taking a few minutes. And uh, I have a feeling we will probably be talking to you again down the road. Well, that would be great. And you know what? I've, I've actually never been to Provo, Utah. I would love to come to a football game at Provo. Maybe I'll get to come on a regular basis. Came out to Salt Lake uh, three years ago for the Jazz Thunder uh, playoff series. Uh, that was my uh, biggest exposure to uh, Salt Lake and Utah. Enjoyed it immensely. Hope I can make Provo a regular stop. Well, we, we do too. Thanks, Barry. Great stuff as always. Thank you. And Jason said that you can stay at his home. You can whole... stay at my house. We have an extra room he, just in case. No, he said the entire house. It, it'll, he- it'll help with the expenses. Fantastic. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Barry. Thanks a lot. You bet. Barry Trammell, columnist from the Oklahoma. He's great. He has always trumpeted BYU's case to join the Big 12. And I absolutely love that he goes old school and constantly refers to them as Brigham Young. Love it. Brigham Young. I I love the fact that he said that BYU has a little bit more leverage, right? A little bit more power, which, you know, things weren't the case a a few years ago. So my... Uh, the, the, the tables have turned my opinion is that much more stronger thank you Barry for uh, confirming that for me that was one of our favorite interviews this week you're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio okay let's uh, check out some uh Scrimmage highlights from Saturday, and let's overreact to them. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. We're going to play a highlight or a soundbite, and we're going to overreact to it. (laughs) Number one, this Tyler Algier run. Okay, they're not tackling him, Jason. So what do we what do we think of this? Okay, well, I we need to see it from the beginning. Yes, look at the cut. The cut. Mm. You know what that cut tells me? Breakout player. That's Peyton Wilgar, who's going to tackle him for loss, by the way, uh, if they're actually tackling him. Although that cut was legit. Look, a stop and start change so, direction on a dime? So that the overreaction is Tyler Algier will average five yards per carry this year because uh, he'll be able to Double avoid. that. Double that? Okay, that, now that's an overreaction. <laughs> Highlight two, Puka Nakua, okay? He's been out uh, limited with injury. He's been in practice, but not full. Oh, in the scrimmage. Oh, making catches. Look at that. Sideline catch in double coverage. Making it look easy. Okay. Look at that. It's a nice ball. Couldn't tell who the quarterback was. Yeah, could not was. tell who was throwing the pass. The Jaren, it looks like Jaron Hall. Okay, Puka. Two-handed. Into the chest. I like it. Uh, overreaction. Uh, Thousand-yard receiver. Puka Nakua this year. Thousand-yard receiver. Double that. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know what? You're out of line. <laughs> highlight number three. Gunnar Romney's touchdown. <laughs> okay. Now, this, this might be the highlight of fall camp. Look at this. Whoop! Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Chris Berman. Because... Of how deep the cut was on this cornerback. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to even name said cornerback for fear of embarrassment. 
Okay. That cut. Look at that. Stop and start. Go. I'm excited about. Change of direction. I'm excited about this cornerback. I'm not going to mention his name. You can look him up if you want. Gunnar Romney. Bang. This reminds me of Utah State into the end zone uh, 2018. Zach Wilson's first touchdown throw. Overreaction. Gunnar Romney will lead the team in receiving touchdowns after being a guy that had two last year. He'll have 10. Here's my overreaction. He will not have a single catch. Down at the one. That's my – that is it. <laughs> Not a single one. Not a single the one. chances are he won't. Well, then I'm going to be right. Okay. And you're going to owe me something. What? <laughs> You'll shave your head. <laughs> Highlight four. Hobbs Nyberg. This is, this is uh, the best catch uh, from the highlights. And a nice pass, too, from Jaron Hall, I believe. Okay. okay. We read a lot into who gets the highlights. Okay. Oh, where's the Jacob Conover pass? Oh, let's see some Samson's Nakua. Oh, this the, uh, uh, overreaction. Hobbs Nyberg has uh, 15 grabs this year. Look, we don't need to overreact. We have we have Aaron Roderick talking about Hobbs Nyberg. Uh, Hobbs Nyberg had a really good day. Yeah, he he did some good things, and he's proving uh, to be a good offensive player. You know, last year he like. I didn't even know who the guy was, and all of a sudden he was in a game catching a punt. <laughs> and uh, I mean, literally, like I he and then um, and he became our full time punt returner and did a great job. And then this spring he started proving to us that he could play receiver. And then he had a good good scrimmage today to the point where he's in the mix. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised at all if if uh, we see him playing some receiver in games this year as well as being our punt returner. Okay, uh, Hobbs and Sean. Nope, Hobbs Nyberg. Uh, he played baseball. He did. I, I know I know Hobbs well. He had a couple brothers play baseball, including Chunner. I helped call some of his games. Dad played receiver. Brent, I think, um, in the 90s. He played in the Miami game against, uh, you know, with BYU in 1990. So, yeah, Hobbs Nyberg. He's, uh, he's in the mix. Let's go. Okay, highlight five. Some pass breakups, baby. Let's go. Let's okay, Baylor Romney. Uh, Shaman Willis, Jamal's kid. That was on Puka Nakua, by the way. And then there's Jacob Robinson. Well, and let's make sure that we're showing, like, one of the pass breakups was a pass from Keenan Ellis. Baylor. Yep. One was from Jaron. Okay, there's, we're, now we're on repeat. Okay. What do you think of these PBUs? What's the overreaction? BYU will not give up a reception all year. Oh, my gosh. Is that uh, overreaction enough? I don't think we have goggles big enough for that reaction. <laughs> uh, BYU is, uh, you know, top 20 in completion percentage defense or something. I guess that's fine. <laughs> Shooting for the stars. All right, last one. Neil Pau, who honestly is yeah. probably not getting his uh, just due, uh, and, and we're probably not talking about him enough in terms of what he's capable of this season. A couple of nice catches here. One from Jaron Hall there, yep. tiptoeing on the sideline. Well, that throws a little high from Jaron on the money from Baylor. Uh, that the overreaction, Neil Powell will be the number one receiver in one of these three yards, catches, and touchdowns. I think we kind of think like, yeah. oh, he's like the number three or four. It's like, mm, maybe he's the number one. Maybe he's the number two. He's a seasoned vet. Like, why wouldn't he fill those shoes? I don't think it would be crazy if he's. It's not an overreaction. Number saying. two in, in receiving yards, maybe? In anything. Yeah. I, I, and C- Coach Roderick even talked about. And he's mentioned this a couple of times. Neil Pau is not getting mentioned as much as some of the other guys are. And he says, all, Neil is, has been phenomenal. He was phenomenal last year, and we expect really big things from him. Now, Puka is a different kind of receiver than BYU's had. Correct. Like, he is, he is a next-level kind of guy. 
Gunnar Romney's going to step into the Dax Milne shoes, which honestly, before Dak, uh, Gunnar got hurt, Gunnar was having a better year than Dax. Dax occupied that space and took advantage and did a really nice job when Gunnar got hurt for a couple of games. Those guys are, were a really nice one-two punch there with Neil being the three. I love the options BYU has. I'm stoked, man. Yeah, there are so many weapons around whoever becomes the quarterback. And then you, you throw in the fact that you've got Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa and others at the running back position. A, an offensive line, I think, that's just going to get better as the season goes on because you've got so many guys that have had reps before already, plus some returning starters. I am excited. I am as excited about this offense this year as I have been in the last five years. I'm more excited and about la- it than I was going into last year. Well, but we I didn't, didn't know. realize last didn't year was going to be what last year was. Correct. Right? So it, it's more about, like, obviously, uh, anticipation and excitement are, are born of expectation, of personnel that you know, familiarity. Like, where you don't know what you're going to get, you're a little nervous, you're not as excited per se. The idea of it's exciting. Like, we know Dallin Holker is going to be a baller. There's not a question. We know Isaac Rex is going to continue to be a baller. Then Puka Nakua out of high school was one of the most sought-after receivers in the country. Samson Nakua is really good at Utah, obviously. Gunner has had a tremendous uh, career at BYU so far. Neil Powell is super solid. It's like, there's six dudes that you trust. Speaking of Dallin Holker, did you hear Kalani's comment about Dallin Holker? He's like, I wish everybody would have gone on whatever mission he went on because Dallin has come back and is is pretty darn close to where he was when he left. The Fui Vakapuna right. Regiment. <laughs> he comes yes. back, he's like, are you bigger? <laughs> are you, wait a minute, are you better after taking yeah. two years off? Like, what in the world? Then it becomes that advantage that other coaches talk about. We may finally actually, actually get that advantage. two tight end set that we have talked about for like six years. Yes. And not just two tight ends, but two highly capable tight ends. Yes. Good luck trying to decide which one to go after. Yeah, like... <laughs> Gosh, BYU's running, what, 12 personnel uh, with just Tyler Algier back there and Holker and Rex, and then, what, two receivers? Good luck cracking the two deep on the two, re- the two receivers if you're running two tight ends somewhat consistently. There are options uh, to be very multiple for Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We now welcome to the guest, former Blue and White Network sideline reporter, Dave McCann. What's up, Dave? I've come a, I've come a little ways since then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those were the days. True Blue, remember we used to do True Blue yeah. here in this studio yeah. many moons ago, and, and now it's the, the mothership. Yeah. Along. yeah, we. I used to produce that, and you hosted that, and it was so bad they cut it for AFR and BYU Sports Station. <laughs> Listen, know? we were the pioneers. <laughs> Someone had to cut the trees down yes. and make a trail. Someone had to do something that, you know, elevated from there. That's what we did. Okay, we were talking about, uh, you know, this alliance with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and uh, the ACC. What effect that could have on BYU. Will it force BYU hand, e- hand eventually to maybe have to join a conference? We were of the opinion that it, Jeff said, hey, Maybe, yes. I said, ah, I don't think so. I think BYU likes to put its feet in the sand, and they can do it alone. What's your opinion on that? Well, the, the excitement of the announcement today is, is, is well, that there's something. And really, it's to try to slap the SEC. It's got nothing to do with us. 
Um, and then I think once the excitement of, hey, this alliance is being announced, we'll see that it really doesn't have much of an impact at all, especially for football where schedules are done so far in advance. Are we talking about in 2035? Is that when the alliance is? Well, we may have super conferences by then, probably will. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's going to have much of an impact. I don't think it forces BYU to react. What I'm most curious about is why they've decided that the Big 12 no longer exists. They're like, hey, what what, what do we do? Those guys just left. But it shows you uh, the power of the SEC, and it shows you how big Texas and Oklahoma are, where they just hop the conference, and then the the other three are all mad. Now they're going to get together. We're going to have a fight. Um, The SEC is going to win that fight. If you just look at the schools that uh, you take Clemson out of the mix, USC out of the mix, um, who's left uh, to, to contend as a national power? Ohio State, okay, they're in there. You take them out of the mix. But, but the SEC is going to stand firm through this whole thing. So getting Texas and Oklahoma for them was, was, was the greatest thing the SEC could do. And I, now everyone else is mad. Yeah, and, and I'm feeling like uh, coming off of NIL with Bill Barr and that season and Zach Wilson that BYU – more than ever in independence is feeling like, okay, at least for now, we can keep doing this. We're going to be okay. Yeah, if you have a TV partner like ESPN, you can do that. If, you, if BYU didn't have ESPN, then we'd be in a league, yep. you know, even if it was a league we didn't want to be in. Yep. But we have them, and we've had them since uh, the announcement came to go independent, and then they re-up for seven years. Uh, that's the power of college sports. Who has the SEC TV contract after, what, 23 ESPN. That's where the college power is. And, uh, and they're our friends. And we have a contract with them. That allows us for the next six years to figure it out. And it allows them to figure out where they want us. And I think that'll have a lot to do with where we go. Well, let, let's focus on something that we know will have an immediate impact on BYU. And that's the starting quarterback for this season. Will you be surprised if BYU does not announce a starting quarterback today or tomorrow? No. No, why should they? We, we all want to know because we want to write stories about it and do things about it. But, yeah, if we but, have a daily show, we need some content here. <laughs> You've got a daily debate every single day. Why would you want this to end? Uh, I think the team knows, or at least the quarterbacks know, and whether or not they've announced it, the team, probably not because no one can keep that a secret. Uh, and, and we'll hear maybe today, you know, like you mentioned a moment ago, uh, Aaron said, well, Tuesday, Wednesday at the latest. Um, I don't know if that means they can't say, yeah, well, we've decided – uh, and we'll let Arizona find out uh, on September 4th. They got a new defense. They have a new defensive coordinator. They're coming off a miserable season. They're trying to figure out what they're going to be. And now all of a sudden they have three quarterback styles to deal with for their opener. Does it hurt BYU to just go, yeah, we know who our starter is. We'll see you on the 4th. I don't think so. Does it drive us nuts? Maybe a little? The only reason I think they'll announce is because Kalani said as much basically two weeks ago. He said the fans need to know. Because I thought they would do that. Like, oh, we don't have to tell you anything. We'll just roll them out. So I was like, oh, they're going to announce them. And then Aaron said that. So I thought, oh, they're going to say who it is. Just when will they say? I think they're they're the same thing that uh, um, Sean Payton, uh, the Saints coach, is dealing with. Last night after the game, you could tell he was so sick of the quarterback question. I think he rolled his eyes and exhaled and this and that. I think they're all sick of the quarterback question. Maybe that's why you throw it out there. I know Kyle Whittingham was sick of the quarterback question until yesterday. Or actually, it was all announced, and he says, I haven't announced. So even, you know, so <laughs> there's all that going on. Uh, that takes care of that. But in the, in the competitive preparation to beat Arizona, uh, Baylor and Jaron have very different styles, and Conover's a wild card. 
Does it, does it kill you to keep them guessing? And I, I don't think it does. And would it kill us to get through another week and a half? Probably not. So gives us something to talk about tomorrow. So who gives BYU the best chance to win, in your opinion? I think Hall gives them the best chance to win. I've always been high on Conover, and I've always said through this whole thing that it wouldn't be surprised if he was behind center against Arizona. But if Hall is the quarterback, that means he has won the job. And how many times have we heard Kalani say, best 11 on the field? So if that's what they've decided, then Hall won the job, or Baylor won the job, or Conover won the job. Based on experience, and, and, and Halls look great in camp. They've all had uh, good camps from what everyone has said. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Jaron Hall. Uh, and I think Conover is still the future. And uh, oh, yeah. I was thinking this morning, uh, Detmer didn't start as a freshman. I don't think McMahon started as a freshman. Our two greatest quarterbacks. Yeah, not true freshmen. Yeah. Right. But as they evolved... Um, Junior, senior years, uh, one was the best in the country and the other may be the best of all time. Uh, and so if, if Conover can get four games in and, keep, and then his redshirt year, that gives him uh, four more years to play. Um, we've all seen enough of him in practice. We've all talked to all the coaches. We've talked to all the players. Uh, he is the next thing. And uh, the next thing may be after the current thing, and that might be okay. BYU may have the only quarterback in history who's a third stringer who told Alabama no. That might be the first time ever that has happened with anybody ever, which could be <laughs> super weird. Okay, what unanswered questions are there that you're looking forward to trying to start to get answers against Arizona? I, I just want to see if the offensive line can be as big and as bad as, as we think they can be. And, and that means you establish the run, which takes the pressure off the quarterback, and with those five receivers and their rotation and the tight ends, you can get everything going early instead of, well, third, fourth game, we finally got, you know, how to do all this. But if the line can o- open up holes for Algier and Lapini, and I think Algier is going to have a huge year, motivated by the schedule and motivated by the 1,100 yards he had last year against the schedule that people say, well, that was against that schedule. So I think there's all kinds of motivation for Algier. And to have that big offensive line and him get the ball and run behind right tackle, if he's getting three, four, five yards of pop, that means everything's going to work. And uh, that's the quarterback's best friend. If he gets stuck behind the line, you know, and now it's third and 12, you know, then you got to go to those other tools, which are there. You know, that's not a, a death sentence. But as we saw last year, even in that bowl game where I think he was rushing for eight yards a carry, you know, and then Zach could drop back and do whatever he wanted. He still had to make the throws. Guys still had to get open. But it was all in play. And I think that starts with running the football at a school that passes the football. But when we've been great historically, uh, we've had a big bruising running back and a phenomenal quarterback and great receivers and an All-American tight end. Well, look at the makeup for this team. It's all there potentially. And, uh, again, it all starts with number 25 running behind that line. If that line's big and nasty. And the defensive line, too, which, which everyone has told us in camp is going to be better than what we expect. And for some reason, the D-line has gotten this uh, reputation of, well, they can't get to the quarterback. And historically, they haven't gotten to the quarterback in recent years. The linebackers may have. Um, but, uh, but that all appears to be mending as far as the talent and the depth that they have and the optimism of the, of the defensive side uh, of the coaches going, hey, look, we're going to be better than people think. And the strength of the defense is still the linebackers. So if the line's better than people think, then there should be some open lanes for Wilgar and Tooley and Peely and the others to come through there, wreak havoc. And do what they didn't do last year, which is cause turnovers. And if they can do that in this schedule 
They can line up and win every game. Will they win every game? I don't know. Can they win every game? Uh, if they're healthy, yeah. Yeah, they could. Uh, could go they lose every game? Put, no, they cannot. On, <laughs> they're playing Idaho State. Put the big ones on, Dave, over there. <laughs> but no, I, I'm not saying they will. I'm just yeah. saying they could. You look at the matchups. There's not one matchup where you go, oh, we're dead. Yes. You know, yeah. if Alabama was on the schedule, we're like, you know what? Let's, let's, we're dead. Let's not get killed. If Ohio State's on that schedule, if Clemson's on that schedule, well, they're not. Yeah. We got good teams on the schedule, but BYU's a good team. So line it up and see. But I don't think we, we enter games double-digit underdogs. I mean, any of that schedule. There shouldn't be a single one. No. You're right. And then it's who takes care of the ball. Well, and you mentioned last year, and we all saw the offensive weapons that were on display and the numbers and the production uh, that was a result of that. When you look at what is around whoever the quarterback is, is there a chance that the weapons may be even better than what we saw last year as a collective? Absolutely. One, we've got... What? We had two tight ends last year and Wake. Now we have three and Wake, you know. Uh, we had Pau and Romney at receiver. We lose Dax. So we pick up the Nakuas. And then we add Hill, who's gotten better, and Jackson, who's gotten better, and some of those other guys. I, I think the talent pool is better than last year. The quarterback made it all work last year because he was phenomenal. Um, a quarterback who is not phenomenal but surrounded by the best accumulation of talent that this program's had in a long time can be good enough to win games. And he might be great. And he can get to being great. Uh, but he doesn't have to do it by himself. You know, it's not all about, hey, you're all we got. Ty, run back, run around, and make all the plays. Well, Ty had running backs, receivers, tight huge end. offensive line, yep. tight ends. Yep. And, then, and, and they didn't, he didn't win every game either. But he won the Heisman Trophy because he was that good in that setting. So whoever this quarterback is has an opportunity to look really good because of the other 10 guys around him. And I love the evolution of the offense through Aaron Roderick, yeah. Satake, Steve Clark, and company. I just love where we're at. The fact that BYU could keep A-Rod coming off of that is pretty notable. Number two pick, top five offense, that was good. Okay, let's finish with this, speaking of Zach Wilson. I love what's happening with Zach Wilson. We all do. It's awesome. It's preseason. He's crushing it. I'm a little hesitant in the regular season the next couple of years because the Jets traditionally just stink. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping he overcomes the organization, and maybe he's the savior of that organization. How do you feel about what the future could hold for Zach Wilson? Well, I like what Steve Young said on this show. Um, he's got enough 49er blood over there. It's not the <laughs> Jets. <laughs> he, he didn't go to the Jets. Uh, he went to a new coach who came from the 49ers. A lot of people thought he should go to the 49ers. I wanted him to go there because they're poised to win right now. Yes. And they're in a system that I think could feed his skill set. Well, some of that system is now running the Jets. Michael LaFleur, yeah. So I think um, I, I've watched him closely, too. It's, it's just great. You know, New York is such a – you throw a screen pass and they want to run the guy out of town. He completes a screen pass and he's the next Joe Namath. The same play. <laughs> just give him a first It's coat. just a different thing. Uh, but I think uh, – and we know Zach. Zach is level-headed and it looks, looks super young, but he gets it. And uh, his coach has said the same. He understands it. Um, he learned between his junior and senior year to get down. He learned to throw the ball away, not force it in. If he maintains what he knows and what he is, then he can do what he's done here in the preseason against preseason defense. But, but, um, but it's in the, in the head. Hey, you can throw a pick into a crowd of three defenders or not, whether you're in the regular season or the preseason. You can run for your life if you're running against the first string defensive end, which is probably going to happen. Um, but you know what? He's, he's got other defenses coming at him. But he knows that, hey, I need to not get hit by this guy. 
I'll either go down or throw the ball away. Um, he didn't learn, he learned that through the trial and error in injury here at BYU. And I think he's smarter, he's as smart as we all know he is. Uh, he's smarter than the NFL world thinks he is. And I think that will play out. If he wins five or six games and they're moving forward, he'll be the king of New York. He will. Outside of New England, there'll be this massive audience coming from Utah. And all the ratings will be like, well, oh, Zach Wilson. Yeah, That's and he's right. such a good guy. You know, yeah. Celebrate a win with a chocolate milk, yeah, just like he did here at BYU. And <laughs> The NFL needs that. And I think he can deliver it. And we just hope he stays healthy and, and hope he keeps smiling. Because when he's having fun, he's fun to watch. When he's not smiling, you know, things aren't going good. And this whole last season, he looked like he was having the time of his life. Yeah. But just throwing to guys making phenomenal plays, a huge line, a great running back. Um, again, that opens the door for the next guy to replace him because all those pieces are here in Provo. And then we wish Zach the best of luck with the, with the Jets. I had my first Jet shirt my whole life. I saw it. Oh, you got a Jet oh, yeah, shirt. Okay. I absolutely did. I felt I needed to. Nice. You had that within like a week of him being drafted, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I went. I made the commitment early. <laughs> yeah, you went all in. Yeah. I thought, you know what? Yeah. I think the Jets are going to keep him since yeah. they drafted him. Yeah, you know, there's <laughs> one more cut we need to worry about, I guess, before August 31st, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably not. How about Dax Mill? I think he's going to make the team. That'd be pretty good, right? That would be That'd awesome. Be so if, good if, he, if they don't keep him, somebody else will pick him up. Yes. I don't think he clears waivers. Somebody else will pick him up. Somewhere. When you're running with the ones in practice and you're playing with the ones in the first and second quarter, that's a good sign for a seventh rounder. Yep. And, uh, the Hobbs the coach loves of the NFL. Him. He's faster now. Did you notice him the other night? I didn't know he was that fast at BYU. <laughs> when he was running, maybe because he was running for his life with the Redskins or the football club or whatever it is. Yeah. But, man, I think he's got a shot. That'd be yeah. awesome. Okay, Dave, we appreciate the time. After further review, tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. We'll it's going to be a great show tonight. It's going to yeah. be award win- That's the one we're submitting, right? It's a job. It could be. It's the job of keeping Nixon and Blaine <laughs> engaged <laughs> with not letting one yep. overtalk the other, yep. which, you know, is like two semis running You're the together. You're the ringleader. The same, yeah. same thing. I just start it and end it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. In elementary school as well. That's awesome. Thanks, See you guys. Dave. Thanks. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's talk about Taysom Hill. So he said the following back in 2020 in the the spring, I believe. I want to play quarterback in this league, and if New Orleans uh, don't view me that way, well, then I have to leave. That's really where we're at. A little bit of context. This is last year. It's Drew Brees' last year. I can't remember if if Drew Brees had declared it was his last year quite yet. But Taysom Hill has always wanted to be a quarterback. Now, new con- so wanted to put that in context because he didn't say it yesterday. He said it a year and a half ago, it sounds like, or a year ago. Is He wants to play quarterback, right? Yep. Let's say that Jameis Winston is the starter. Taysom's the backup. They may use him as a gadget guy. Yep. Um, Jameis could have some success. Maybe he's not good. Maybe Taysom Hill comes in later. Who knows? What do you think of that idea if Taysom Hill still holds to that idea? Man, um, you love you some taste, and we all do. I, I do. He's the best player in the universe, man. Well, then he should be the starter. For the universe, game. exactly. You know, I, I think from an analyst and outside looking in, I think the best value that he can bring to a team is being a utility player. I agree, and I know that's an uncomfortable take for some people. I'm comfortable saying it. I think the issue. The, like the reason why though is just the perception of him as a quarterback. He's not a traditional looking quarterback. 
I mean, he has like a he's jacked. He's like a fifteen pack. I mean, he runs a four. You know, he runs a two point nine forty. He runs a three nine. So, you know what I mean? Like he could bench press a thousand. Like he could squat a billion. And so he's the Chuck Norris of quarterback. Right. So so you don't when you look at him and you look at his measurables and tangibles, you don't think that he's a quarterback. So he's already going to any battle or stepping on the field with you know one hand tied behind his back from a perception standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, when he steps into the role as a utility player, he's trending on Twitter like that. You know what I mean? Like everybody is obsessed with him, like they are with me. Like, like, I, like I do. Like, like I, I am with him, right? Same thing. Yes, yes. And I'm obsessed with you as well. Yeah, I, so I, mean, you know. I, I know. Spencer is too. He's a little bit more than you. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, but, but from a clout and like a branding, you know, uh, perspective, I think that is the the best thing for him. Now, I'll say this: from an individual with him and his goals. You know, wanting to be a quarterback, man, do you, boo-boo, do you. If you want to play quarterback and the Saints don't give you that opportunity, give them the deuces and, and, and keep it moving. And, 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 again, that has to do with, you know, him and his personal goals. Like, follow your dreams. Yeah. If you want to be a quarterback, go ahead and be a quarterback. But, but what I'm saying, what you're saying, I think what the entire NFL is saying is that, you know, you will have the most value – and probably a longer career by being a utility guy. He probably feels like, but hey, I need to be given a proper shot at being the starter, and then you can see what I can really do. Yeah. If I'm Taysom, I'm thinking, hey, you liked that? Just wait until I have the ball in my hands literally every play. Yes. And then I, I'm not just catching an eight-yard out yeah. uh, or blocking a punt. I'm affecting everything we do on offense. Taysom Hill's not going to be as good as Drew, Drew Brees was. He's just not. Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Drew Brees is top 10 all time. Like, mm-hmm. Taysom Hill's going to be himself, which is a really good player, really good NFL player. The jury's still out if he's a really good or even good NFL quarterback. Yeah. We all hope he is. It'd be awesome if you had two dudes clocking in every week in New Orleans and New York. Right. New whatever. Any city that had new and something else that BYU has the starting quarterback. That's what we want, right? New Jersey. No, they don't have New okay. Brigham. New Brigham, right? We hope Taysom Hill is a tremendous quarterback. We'll see if he gets a shot. But to, to think that if he's not the starter in New Orleans, he wants to go somewhere else and try and be the starter. If he can't be the starter in New Orleans against mm. Tam- Jameis Winston – and a, and a coach and coordinator that love you and cater to you, yeah. are you going to find another spot? That's my concern with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, man. Or are you just going to be unhappy on a crappy team? Like, is this sort of a Jimmer move where it was like, he he's most comfortable if his usage rate is really high. If yeah. he doesn't have that, he'll just go find that. And that has taken Jimmer out of the NBA into China. Yeah. And, hey, he's happier than he would be riding the pine in the States, but... We all want Jimmer to be a star in the NBA, and it, it didn't work out. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pray fast that this man gets the starting position. That's what I'm going to And say. if he doesn't, that much love. That James Winston's not very good. Then I'm going to blame <laughs> Jerem Jordan. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, to know who you want as the starting quarterback, we need to discuss what you want out of said starting quarterback, Brian. So we expect, uh, you know, 
Jaron Hall to probably be the guy today. But what do you want out of the starter? Because if you want a certain thing, it might be a Baylor. It might be a Jacob. It might be a Jaron. What do you want? Yeah. Uh, You know, it's it's, it's hard to, I guess, quantify this, what I want Mm -hmm. in a quarterback. I, I want a quarterback that has it. That has it. That's very hard to quantify. It's, ve- it's extremely hard to quantify. Who do you feel has it among those so, three? So I, I would say, I would say that Jaron does. Okay. Um, do you feel uh, like Baylor or Jacob do? I think I think Baylor, I think Baylor does as well. You know, I haven't had a chance to 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 see Jacob. I've heard things and I've heard comparisons with with Zach. I would say that Zach Wilson has it. If I were to compare, oh. if I were to compare people, wow. right, and and I Good would say, gosh, yes. and I would say that um, another person, you know, Max Hall, right, mm-hmm. um, has it. And, well, and try and describe it. it. It's it's this this fire, That's this desire. <laughs> I don't like scary movies anyway. Um, it's it's this fire and this desire, like this competitive edge that um, burns deep inside of an athlete. Okay. And, and it, it, it's something that like an attitude, it's, it's an attitude. I would say it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. I think Kobe Bryant is probably another athlete that you could say has it. Um, you know, people say what the, the Mamba mentality, right? Yep. When somebody is zoned in focus, Michael Jordan would be another yeah. one. LeBron James does not have it. I don't care what nobody says. Doesn't have it. He has conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you get what I'm saying, right? As as far as somebody that that is good and talented versus somebody who is zoned in and looking to win, right? And and has this attitude that nothing is going to stop me at all. And I'll do whatever I have to to win. I'll walk into your mama's house, slap her, no, kiss, kiss no. your kiss your we sister not, on the way out, and and then have a good time. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not I want somebody slapping women, I, Brian. No, it's a joke. It's a joke. But you get what I'm saying. It's some, a funny joke. It's 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 this attitude like nothing is going to stop me. I am the man, and I, and most importantly, I want the ball in my hands. I, I think I think that's what to summarize it all. That's a, a, the the best way I can describe it is somebody. I want a quarterback who wants the ball in his hands when that when when the time is right or needed for somebody to make a big play, him to step up and say, "Look, give me the ball." Give me the ball. Let me control, you know, our destiny. And and I'm okay with whatever decision it is, but I want the ball in my hands. What well, you've described all three to some degree, okay? To me, it boils down to, do you want to – like, Baylor Romney hasn't used his legs a ton. I know it's there. It's more than we've talked about. But if you really want a run threat, you want Jaron, okay? Yeah, if you – like, Jaron is more uh, – probably more explosive – in terms of, I think, chucking it down the field and running. Baylor, there's a simplicity that gets devalued with Baylor in the conversation. I think people say game manager, da da da. Spencer said, listen, against Utah, we might need a game manager. Just don't turn it over. But you also have to not be omissive. You have yeah. to be commissive, meaning you're going to do things that help you and sometimes hurt you, but that's the risk. The number one interception guy in BYU history is Ty Detmer. Like, yeah. number one in NFL history is Brett Favre. Like, it's a risk you take. I like Jaron the most initially. Just give him the first right of refusal, if you will, because against certain Power 5 teams like Utah, Arizona State, USC, and so on, I want on third and six to not feel like if nobody's open that you don't get a first down, gotcha. that you run for it, right? Yeah. Yet, with Jaron, the risk is that he gets another concussion and we're back to square one like 2019. Yeah. Baylor... Reports are that he gets into the offense and executes a little better than Jaron. 
But I, I'm willing to risk that with Jaron because of the run ability. I, I think we talked about this like so long ago, man. And where, Jacob will get his shot later. When, when it comes to Power 5 teams and, and BYU, they always seem to have done really well or at least competed, meaning you know, losing by one touchdown or, or no more than, than you know, 14, 12, 13 points. Two scores cases, right? or less. Two scores, okay. That's why I say 17 plus. And, 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 and when yeah. BYU hasn't had a, a mobile or a running quarterback, they've had some challenges against – Power five schools, so I, I get I get your point one hundred percent. And it's not hundred percent power five schools. It's more those big three I was talking about. Okay, like Arizona, Wazoo, Baylor, Virginia. No, it, no, it's not. It's not. It's really, not. It's, it's, it's not, not really the same. No offense to our homies in in uh, Charlottesville. I say ah, you could be offended if you want to. <laughs> yeah, step your game up. <laughs> you mean? Wait, so we're gonna find out who it is today. Expectation is that it's Jaron Hall. I wouldn't. I mean, well, I've said I'd be surprised if it wasn't Jaron. I, I will be, yeah. If it's Baylor, I'll be a little surprised. Yet, confident that BYU can execute its offense. And guess what? It's almost more important that Aaron Roderick exists than the quarterback, yeah. who the quarterback is, because I have confidence in those three. Yeah, I, 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 think, I, think, I think this is a great question after the first couple games, right? Because I always say we'll see the true identity of any team after week four, right? And Robert and I felt like week six. Yeah, uh, Uncle, Uncle Uncle and I was kind of a little crazy. Um, <laughs> but I was I would say this. Uh, the re- this is the reason why. When you look back at certain defenses, right, that are really good, it's almost like, look, hey man, don't mess up. Don't like to the offense. So you're saying don't the mess omissive up. thing. So, so right, be be. I'm a, I want a game manager. Don't win don't, it. Don't, just don't lose it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now, if your defense is struggling a little bit, then you may have to go to a shootout. Now, I want somebody that can, you know, score at will. That's yes, and maybe Baylor's that guy. Again, we only have two starts from Hall and Romney each. It's not like we have a ton of volume here, right? Um, so let's go. Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, less than two weeks away from BYU against Arizona in Lost Wages, Nevada. The quarterback situation becoming clearer after Saturday's scrimmage. Here's Kalani Satake on the sitch. We feel really good about three quarterbacks, and and um, uh, there's there's uh, we have an idea of what we're doing, and and we. We can we can see it. So it's uh, I we thought that maybe one would be elevated, but all three have elevated their game, and um, we're, we're starting to see how this is going to shape up. And I just want to confirm it all with the film and and uh, communicate with the quarterbacks themselves, and then away we go. Okay, so a similar message to what we kind of had a week ago. Then there's this from offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. We're going to go watch this film. We're going to talk about it as a staff and. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's becoming pretty clear. And, I, if, you know, if, if you went and asked the players right now, they could probably tell you. But they, uh, you know, they, they've battled hard and they've all gotten better. And, but that picture is starting to clear up for us. So is that an invitation? Can we go up to the other players and ask them who the starting quarterback is right now? We're like, hey. Uh, hey, do yeah. you guys, can you just tell us? Who's the, who's the guy? Okay, so interesting soundbites. If all three quarterbacks have, have quoted elevated – does it matter who the starting quarterback is? Yes, it matters who the starting quarterback is. I don't want to live in a world where it doesn't matter who the starting quarterback is for a football team. I understand that they're all close. 
I understand that they all have certain things that they bring to the table, but obviously, at the end of the day, you have to go with the one that, that's the best. And look, does it matter? Yeah, I think it does. Because just look at last year. Going into last year, we kept being told that it's really, really close no. between Baylor and Zach Wilson. No, it wasn't. But, but, can, but do, you, do we think that Zach Wilson, we don't have that season if he's not the guy from the get-go probably. You know what I mean? So like, like he needed to not know if he was the guy? I, I don't know. But, I mean, I think that you're, you're taking away some of what we saw from Zach if it's Baylor because of the, the, doesn't have the same type of mobility. And I think that that's why it matters with this. Because if, if it's Baylor and Jaron, and it does kind of feel like it's, it's that for the starter and the backup, so if, if it's going to be Baylor, then you're probably losing some of the mobility options within the offense. So I think it does matter because... But maybe you increase with but, what but Baylor does in terms cor- of In terms of the, the passing, out. yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying it matters because even though the offense overall stays the same, there are aspects of it that if it's Baylor, you do more of and less of. And if it's Jaron, you do more of and less of. So I think it does matter. Yeah, it matters. I, I agree with you. The The elevation comment is way too general a statement to glean a specific answer. Does that make sense? Yes, it matters. Uh, we've kind of been saying here for a long time, we thought that Jaron would win this battle, that Baylor would be close, and that Jacob would be close too. It's just that he's a freshman. Like, If this is an average year and you don't have two dudes who have already started a couple of games and won uh, games that mattered – we aren't having this same conversation. It changes the dynamic of it. But uh, the fact that Jacob Conover is here and COVID too, right? Like what if I told you that these two were juniors not listed as sophomores and Conover was a freshman? Now you're thinking, oh, no-brainer, you start the upperclassmen, right? But in this case, we're like, well, well, is Conover the guy? Um, it doesn't feel like Conover's the guy. There's no smoke there, right, <laughs> to that fire. We're not hearing, oh, Conover, Conover, maybe. Where we were kind of hearing like, Wilson's pretty good, Going into 2018, but Mangum's going to win it by hair and get the first shot because he's a senior. 2017 was an abomination. 2015 was a really good year for Mangum as a freshman. Da da da. It's a different dynamic. So, yes, it matters. Um, I expect it to be Jaron Hall this week. Maybe you do too. I, I do too. Okay, and and we'll uh, we'll go. From there. What depth chart answers are you looking for today? Okay, I'm looking because it's not just about quarterback. We're going to find out about some more, hopefully. Uh, defensive line. It feels like it's Tyler Batty and Lorenz Faute on the outsides. On the interior, it sounds like it's uh, Caden Hawes and Atumaisa uh, Mahe. But we'll see. I'd like to see who's in that group. I'd like to know who the uh, the other safety is with Chaz Ayu. I'd like to know about the health of the guys. Offensive line. I think we feel like we know it, but I'd love to know who those guys are. And then wide receiver. Kind of who's in the pecking order. Um, it, it, I feel pretty confident about who's on offense and who's in special teams. And defensively, we know the linebackers. We know one of the safeties. The corners are interesting. as yeah. I don't know. I just basically described the whole uh, team. But I'm excited to find out all of it. I, I guess D-line would be my number one answer. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's obviously the secondary, right? Um, Which part? For, for, for me. All of it? Corners and, and safeties. Um, and when it comes to the, the depth, right, we, and we, I, I think we've heard a lot um, you know, this fall camp and, and even in spring ball. And I talked to, you know, Coach Gennardo, um a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, man, like, we, I have never seen 
BYU from a cornerback position this deep ever. That's nice. And That's and nice. The, I'm and, saying a lot because O one when he played was pretty good. And well, I brought that up with him. I was like, look, man, I like what I get as a corner and being an alumni. I heard that you guys had the ballers, and and you guys had the guys. And he was like, look, look here, check this out. We did have some guys, some dudes, but these guys right now on this team, on this roster, like doesn't even compare. And he said that he, you know, had conversations with his teammates and they are saying the same thing. The ones that, that are around, the ones that have, you know, seen film of the current guys. He's like, look, man, these, these guys are good. And even all the teammates that he played with can't agree. So I'm, I'm more excited just to see not necessarily, you know, who's going to start because I feel like almost anybody can, can go in and make an impact, right? At it's, corner? It's, yeah, at, at corner. Okay. At corner. Um, it's more of I want to see – how these transfers – that's really what it comes down to. Man. I really want to see how the transfers um, – where they sit on the depth chart. You know, I've, I've heard and seen a few things. Talking Robinson and Hayes? Yep. yep. Where – where? oh, I didn't know we could say that. I didn't know we could. Yep. <laughs> no, no, okay. no, they're, they're in camp. Okay, yep. cool. Utah, oh, you're, oh, you're right. You're yep. right. That's Utah right. State and Oregon State transfers. So, I'll, it's always intriguing to me when you bring a JC guy in or, you know, another, another D1 transfer. Yes. Because you're almost saying I'm looking – like, I, I need somebody to start. It's kind of what you're saying. But I, I don't feel that way. I feel like they were just like added into an already good group. Exactly. Right? Okay. I, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. Yeah. So that's why it makes it even more interesting yes. right? to see, okay, you already had guys. You Angela know, Mandel, guys. Isaiah yep. Heron, yep. Keenan Ellis, mm-hmm. Shimon Willis. Yep. That's a good group. It's a, it's, a, it's a great group. And if anybody, if any one of those guys um, you know, starts, I would be okay with. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm satisfied with. They add I mean? to a group of, uh, I mean, ma- Hopefully, you feel this confident, but three deep potentially. Yeah. Oh, right? well, yeah, hundred percent. Which, which is awesome, and most of the time unrealistic. Yeah. So At, for BYU, <laughs> for anywhere, for almost anywhere. Yeah, yeah. That, yes, you you have a point. You do have a you point. Know, like even you at Alabama, the third string is awesome. Blah blah blah. If yeah. they're that good, they're going to play somewhere else. They yeah, want to go somewhere else where they met. Right. You know exactly. Which exactly. is pretty cool. Okay, we'll find out some answers here. Hopefully, uh, coming up uh, at a noon press conference. If not, in the next week and a half on the games played ten days away. Let's go. This just into the update desk. To quote Mills Lane, it's on. (laughs) Thank you very much, Ben Bagley, in the Big 12 expansion update (laughs) desk. It is on. The last 14 hours for anyone who has, I don't know, followed it uh, even a little bit, a lot like myself, has been very exciting in terms of expansion. Uh, Really, the the first real domino that, that fell at least yesterday or in the last, you know, 24, 48 hours was the Pac-12 saying they were not going to expand. Right. Once the Pac-12 said they were not going to expand. Everybody went crazy. The Big 12's like, okay, well, now that we know all of these teams that will be remaining after Texas and Oklahoma bail, now that we know they're going to be here, we should probably figure out exactly what we want to do moving forward. And that brings us to expansion. And as I mentioned, the last 14 hours, there has been tons of stuff. Most recently in The Athletic, and this is where we're going to start. We're going to kind of go over all of the news that has come out in the last little while. According to The Athletic this morning, some quotes for you. They are still very early in the process, but Big 12 sources tell The Athletic there's one school they're already seriously considering, BYU. (laughs) Love to hear that. 
It goes on to say, achieving consensus is probably not going to be easy, but as this process begins, it's BYU that appears to be the option that can add value. And Brian, that's the biggest, I think BYU's biggest asset right now is they are the team. There is no other team that they can, speaking of the Big 12, that they can realistically bring in that will add the value that BYU can. That's where BYU is in the driver's seat in yeah, this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like BYU is the, the last team standing or maybe the first team standing, so to speak, when it comes to the options that, that the Big 12 has, right? It's like this is the last team that uh, from our list that would add value to us. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't really want them. But at this point, there's what can you do? You have, you have no choice. As I said this, I think, a couple weeks ago. It's kind of like choosing a prom date, right? And, and, and you have opportunities, right? Maybe there's like five girls and one... Five? Let's say, let's, let's say there's five girls and one of them that's on your, that, that's on your list of... And she's third. She comes to you with, with, the, with the proposal and offer and you go, nah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to... I want the number one on the list, right? I want the number one. I want to wait to see what she does. I was happy to have one that was I, interested in going I out I mean, me, me too. I'm just giving you an example. This is how the Big 12, you know, feels. And then... When it's time to make that decision, the number one, number two is gone. Now number three is gone, right? She wanted you. Number four is gone. Now you're left with number five. That's how I feel the Big 12 is feeling right now. Well, look, the Big 12, if they want to exist beyond the next couple of years, they're going to have to expand. If you want to go to prom, (laughs) if you want to go to prom, you have to say yes to girl number five. Well, and, and this is interesting, too. This is also from The Athletic. Uh, it said, quote, one Big 12 source argued BYU's candidacy could be strengthened this time simply by the departure of Oklahoma and Texas. The people who didn't want BYU before, one source said, are leaving the conference, mm-hmm. alluding to the fact that they believe it was Texas and Oklahoma the first time around that put the kibosh that, on BYU joining. That is very interesting to me. Um, I thought it was more of a collective you know, group. Um, well, th- didn't you know that Texas and Oklahoma are the collective? I just recently uh, found that out about <laughs> yes. three weeks ago. So um, it makes it makes sense. But I, I think maybe hearing stories from the Pac-12, like why BYU can't get in and, and just, you know, political, social reasonings. And I mean, it kind of sounded like it's, you know, across the board in the Pac-12, right? Um, and so I just assumed it maybe with, with the Big 12 is the same thing, but... Going back to what you said, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, they they run college football. So, yeah, that makes sense. Well, and this just came out a little bit after the the article from The Athletic from uh, Heather Dinich of ESPN. And news news came out last night. I believe it was Chuck Carlton, who I, at least who I saw at first, who, who covers the Big 12 out of Dallas. And he had mentioned that they were putting a group together, basically a, a, a committee to – to go over expansion, to kind of handle all that. And Heather says, uh, have confirmed from multiple sources there is a four-person subcommittee in the Big 12 meeting today to explore expansion. So she's saying she's hearing that that group is actually meeting today. She went on to say, one source told me everything is on the table. Our options are looking at many schools. And if you're everything. It's all on the look. They have no choice but to look at everything. Right. I mean, they can't take anything off the table they right now. To, if they, they want to survive. They want to go to prom. If you're curious, they do <laughs> want to go to prom. If you're curious, who's on this subcommittee? Uh, this, according to Don Williams of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, which is where I get all of my information. Uh, it says, uh, <laughs> "Look, it says um, Baylor AD Mark Rhodes, 
Kansas, Ch- Kansas Chancellor Doug Girard, Girard, yep. Iowa State President uh, Wendy Winterstein, as well as Oliver Luck, who's been brought in as kind of an advisor, uh, and then and then uh, Hoka from uh, Texas uh, Tech is also that's your that's your four involved in the conference, and then you have the uh, the consultant and Oliver Luck that are all in this subcommittee that are meeting today. So realistically, you know, you could have some some actual hard discussions about this happening as we speak. You can. You can. And, and I mean, I shake, I'm shaking my head because to me, I feel like it's too late, you know, and, and so you and I differ on this. I am all in on BYU to the Big 12. Nope, you feel differently on don't this. Don't do it. Don't go. Explain, explain to me why you feel that. Brigham, don't go to the Big 12. Nope. Not today. Not tomorrow. Never. Nope. I don't care if they gave it to you. Navigation. Don't go there. Root. Don't go okay. there. So why? This, when you look at the Big 12 in the history, right, and in college football, well, I would say in uh, college football expansion, the Big 12 is always in a reactive mode. They're, they're never proactive, right? And, and you heard the, 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 the press conference with Oklahoma and Texas about the SEC being forward, forward thinking, right? And I, I don't feel that way with the Big 12 and the leadership. And so if this has happened before, it's happening right now, what makes you think anything in the future is going to change, right? Unless the leadership changes. But BYU right now at this point in time, you don't really know if the leadership is going to change. And, and so therefore, you're kind, of, you're kind of jumping into a situation where, yeah, it looks good right now on paper, but can you like, be confident and secure that this won't happen in a few years? Right. You, look, you can't, and there's no way of knowing what's going to happen in a couple of years. But my whole thought process behind this is— But wait, but wait, you can. You know why? Patterns, 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 patterns. And this is the pattern of the Big 12, man. This is like—they're it, it's, 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 in such a reactive state. The pattern has, has, has shown us that, right? And so we can kind of assume that the same thing is going to happen again. But—and I've made this argument before— BYU wants a P5 conference. That's what they have wanted. They want to be in there. They want the access. There's obviously the financial aspect that comes from it. Yep. Right now, the college football playoff that we all thought was a foregone conclusion and expanding to 12, you know, if it goes to 12, BYU as an independent has a much greater chance of, of being able to have one of those good seasons like we saw last year and getting yep. in there. If everything is off the table with expansion and that's going to be put on hold, I think it becomes even more important for BYU to get into a conference. And I believe once you're in the P- – BYU by most is considered to be a P5 school anyway, even yep. though they're not in a conference. That's true. Once you are in a P5 conference, it's like, okay, well, now they're in. Now they're in the, the inner circle. Once I think you're in, you're in in terms of any other further changes, okay, whether all of I, I the conferences go away and then they put everybody you know, in a hat. Once I think you're in, you're in. That's why I think it's very, very important for BYU to get in. And the, and the conference that makes sense, and quite honestly, is probably the only option, is the Big 12. That's a great point. I get what you're saying from a strategic standpoint. However, don't do it. <laughs> don't I do heard it. you, and I'm going to ignore everything Sit that you said. Sit this one out, man. Right. Sit it out. Sit all right. Out. Patience. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We like to joke that uh, offensive lineman Clark Barrington's name is more like an earl or a lord than an offensive lineman. A duke, maybe? Maybe a duke. The Dukies! He's been super consistent on the offensive line the last couple of years. He's an NFL prospect. Here's my conversation after Saturday's scrimmage with Clark Barrington. Clark, we've never spoken. So, hi, I'm Jerem. How are you? Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm doing great. Yep. Listen, I got a, uh, a great taste and piece of what you're like in a mic'd up. Uh, yeah. on social media. <laughs> Not, you seem like a fun guy. Most of the time, the offensive linemen have a ton of personality. So I think it's going to be a fun conversation. You seem yeah, like yeah. a cool dude. Yeah, it should be good. I had a lot of fun doing that. So it was a good time. Okay, so for those who don't know, you're one of the more veteran, stalwart, solid pieces on this team that maybe people don't know a ton about because if you pay attention to the offensive line, you've been there for a minute for two seasons at left guard doing your thing, right? So what's yeah. it like going into year three for you as like a seasoned vet now? Um, you know, it's, it's different. Um, you know, it's, it's different from last year, you know, having all the old, old guys around and and being the young guy on the line and, and all that stuff and looking up to them. And, and it, I, I just have taken it as an opportunity to kind of, you know, fill those shoes, you know, Brady, Channon, you know, Tristan, Kiefer, all, all of those guys, they were, they were great dudes and, and great teachers and just helping us improve each and every day. And so, you know, I've just tried to take that, you know, upon myself and help, help the younger guys, you know, better understand their role, better understand, you know, the technique, the scheme, or whatever I can can do to help them better understand those things. So. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been the left guard uh, for, what, the past two seasons, right? Left? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been uh, left guard pretty much for the past two seasons. First season, I was moved around a little bit, left and right, bounced around, but, yeah, it's, it's been at guard the past two seasons. Are you tall for a guard? Six six feels like a tall guard. Typically, those that's like a tackle size. Am I off on that? I I honestly don't know. Not on our team because our tackles are what six ten, six eight. <laughs> so, massive, dude. Yeah. So no, I, I feel like I, I'm good size for for guards. Yeah, you're a big dude. Six six uh, three oh two. Is that still the case right now? Yeah. Yep. Nice. It's weird when you're a football player, people know your weight. Like in regular yeah. life, that's not poker, <laughs> right? Is that weird? Right. Right. Is that weird that people know your weight? It, uh, I don't know. It's, it's been a lifelong thing, so, so I'm used to it. <laughs> okay, on this team, last year, the offensive line was incredible. And it was really fun to see three of those starters get into the NFL, one drafted in the third round with Brady Christensen, first-team All-American, right? Yeah. Um, at left tackle. Tristan Hodge at, at right guard and Shannon Herring at right tackle. Tell us about their replacements. Uh, guys like Harris Lachance and Blake Freeland. And Joe Tukuafu and, and and others. Yeah, for sure. I, I I think it's you know the guys that we have to to replace those that have left. You know they're they're ready. You know they're they're ready for that job. They great thing about last year, tons of guys got a lot of experience, and so you know each and every one of those guys have game game experience that, that are going to be filling those those spots, and and so we're ready to roll and, and ready to you know continue to compete at, at the highest level. So. How did uh, scrimmage number two of the stadium go today? It was good. It was it was a lot of fun, good energy, you know, just good competition between the offense and defense. Every, overall, it was, it was a great day. I've always chuckled. Uh, I think it's James Empey that said it a couple times where he said, honestly, we don't know who the quarterback is until we hear them behind us. 
Right. Well, what, so what's that experience like on the field of not knowing who the guy is, even in a game? You know, it, it's it's kind of normal, I guess. I, I don't know. It, these guys have been with us for a long time. You know, whoever's back there, great. You know, I, I love Baylor, love, you know, love Jaron, love <clears throat> Conover, and, and they're all just great dudes, you know what I mean? And, and they got great talent, and so whoever's back there, we're going to still sling it around, run the ball around, and, and we're going to do our thing. So, Is there like an ideal voice for a quarterback for you guys to actually hear him above kind of the noise? Is it like more high-pitched is easier or lower or something? Not really, no. You just kind of tune in and, and – and you'll be able to hear it. What's what's the loudest venue you've ever played in? Um, I did not play in a game, but I was present at the at the game. It was Tennessee. That one was that one was crazy for sure. That's what I've heard. Even the fans were like, "It was crazy." Yeah, yeah. It was it was a good experience. What's Lavelle Edwards Stadium going to be like this year with fans again? Because you guys played with some fans in a couple of games, but right. man, it's going to be different. Especially that first one, right? Utah nine eleven. For sure, it, it will be a good time. It will be, it'll be nice, you know, to have the the fans there, have them bring their energy, and and we'll continue to bring our energy on the sidelines. So it will be a good time. Clark, we're two weeks out from the season. Has that settled in your mind as a reality? And and what's left to do? You know, I I think what's left to do is just continue doing what what we've been doing. You know, preparing like the games coming up because it is, you know, getting ourselves right and, and doing the things that we need. We know we need to be doing. I just continually improving each and every day. So. Daryl Funk is new as the offensive line coach. What's it been like with him? He's got a great name, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he's a great dude. Um, <laughs> you know, he's brought he's brought a lot of a lot of good skills and a lot of knowledge with him, and and we we as an O line have really enjoyed being with him this, this start of the season. What's he like? Because he's a super vet. He's coached against BYU a bunch. He said you guys remind him of a Big Ten offensive line from his days at Michigan. Right. He was across the field against BYU in 2015, so he, he right. got a taste, right? But that's that's quite the comparison. Big Ten known for the big physical lines. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, it's been a fun time with him, you know. He's mo- mostly in person, you know. He's he's even keel, you know. Good guy, just there kind of, you know, mellow and, and you know, just chill, you know. But but when it, when it needs to happen, we'll – He'll get up in in our face and, and let us know, hey, let's step it up. Hey, let's do some things. And and he's just he's just been a great addition to, to the team. So we're really loving him with him. Now you're at BYU, but you're from Spokane. Did you yeah. ever like the Zags men's hoops? Uh, I did, all growing up. I don't blame you. You're in Spokane, yeah. man. <laughs> you know, it's you got to root for them when you're living there. So listen, I'm a Gonzaga fan when they're not playing BYU. I I just, yeah, I right. just think they're great. Are you? Have you transitioned to a BYU basketball fan? Um, I, you have to. You know, what I mean? you have to. You have to. I, I I do love BYU through and through, and and so you know, I, I'm a big BYU fan now. Am I reading into the um too much? Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put any words in my mouth there. Oh, 2020 was a fun game though, right? Right before sure. the pandemic, that was crazy. Yep. yep. No, that's awesome. Okay, so this team this year, obviously last year was a schedule that you couldn't control. You had to play it. You guys were awesome. It was so fun. It was amazing, like a banner year in BYU history. This schedule is certainly different. Do you have to prepare differently at all when you know that, okay, playing the average Power 5 team, can be they can be a little deeper than the average group of 5 team or whatever. 
Right. Is there anything different about your prep? I don't think so. You know, personally, you got to go in and prepare for, for the game as if, if you don't prepare, then, then they're going to kick your butt. Cause that, that's how it is in football. If you're, if you don't go in prepared, you're, you're going to get your butt handed to you. And so, you know, you go in, you go in, you know, each and every week, prepare yourself the best you can and have that confidence that you did prepare well enough to, to go and perform. Let's talk, about, let's talk about your brother Campbell. Uh, people think he's going to be a baller as well. He's, yeah. he's fine for some PT this year. What's, what's he like? What positions is uh, he going to play? You know, they, they have him playing all five positions right now. He's kind of that, that, that utility player. So, you know, he, he's going to be able to fill some holes, you know, if we need him to. And, and, and he'll continue to step it up and continue to, to grind. You know, he's one of those tough guys. Uh, you, can, you, you know, he's, he's just going to go in there and get his job done. May not look the prettiest at times, but, hey, he'll, he'll go in there and throw his head in there. So, Do I have this right that your dad, uh, Sean, and mom, is it Jackie? Did they play yeah. baseball and basketball at Arizona, the first yeah. opponent? Yeah, they did. Okay. What's that diamond dynamic like? Because they're certainly rooting for the Cougs for you guys, but, hey, the alma mater. For sure. For sure. I, I don't know. All growing up. Arizona was kind of the school we all rooted for growing up. And, and, you know, since we've been here, you know, the parents kind of left it in the past. They said, yeah, it was a good time at Arizona, but, hey, we're Cougars now, so let's go let's go beat Arizona. But Don't let them do a half-and-half half shirt or anything weird like Heck, that, no, right? No, no that, that's not allowed, no. No, come on, man. <laughs> um, how, how was your mission in Uganda? That's certainly a more exotic one. Yeah, it was it was exotic for sure. It was an adventure every day. Um, you no, know, probably one of the greatest blessings in my life for sure. Learned a lot, grew a lot, you know, personally, spiritually, lost a lot physically, <laughs> lost 50, 50 pounds that, that I had to gain back once I got home, but it, it was well worth the experience. So it, it was a great time. How'd you gain it back? The seafood diet, see it and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of lobster, just no. Know, just yeah, you, you yeah. see the food on the plate, you, you eat it all. So okay, yeah, okay. <clears throat> that's awesome. Well, congratulations on the success so far. You've been a super awesome piece of BYU the last couple of years. I'm looking forward to. It, it, it's weird because you're listed as a, a sophomore. Are you a yeah. like what are what are you with COVID? It's all weird, right? Yeah, with COVID, I could be three different things. So uh, we'll just see how this season pans out, and, and we'll go from there. And hopefully you're a high draft pick and you follow the Brady Christensen path, right? That'd be awesome. Yep, that, that's the goal. Okay, Clark, appreciate the time, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. Clark Barrington. I love uh, the offensive line. They always have big personalities. Lost 50 pounds on his mission? Parents played at Arizona? That's legit. Gonzaga basket. He's got a lot going on there. I, I got to talk with him during media day, during the web chats. He was, he was really fun to talk to. I, I really enjoyed talking with Clark. He was great. Yeah, he's awesome. And he's going to be pancaking fools in how many days? Countdown to the Wildcats. 12 days. That's so- Did we just turn 12 into like eight syllables? Well, <laughs> we did three syllables, but yes. Okay. 12 days, man. Let's go. It is a it is a Joe Beck away. Thank you from and a Gary Shidey and a Gary Shidey. But I'm just trying to you know honor the past. That's true. I love me some Gary Shidey. Although Joe Beck's 15 years ago. Holy <laughs> shit! I know it's been a while. It's, we're getting older. Mostly you. <sighs> we'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation.
The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. The 10 list in 10 weeks. It's Jerem, 10 and 10. 10 and 10 names. Just na- straight up names. I don't care if they play much. Whatever. Number 10. Griffin Speaks. Baylor. It's a sentence. Griffin, Griffin Speaks. That sounds like a kid's Pre- press, Yeah. On Nickelodeon this fall. Uh, number nine. Disney Plus. Oh, Disney Plus. There you go. Yeah. Khalil Shakir, Boise State. He'll be on this list every year I do this. I love that. Wow. Khalil Shakir. He's legit, too. He's a very good receiver. Wow. Hmm. Somebody's parents are unique. Number eight. Well, all these parents. Just wait. <laughs> number eight. Kane Savage on Utah. A rudimentary disc not fit for 2021. <laughs> not fit. Number seven. Justin Birdsong, Utah State. Seems like a sweet guy, Brian. Uh, yeah, he should be playing not football. Like, he should be, I don't want to say another sport. He's going to take this personally and be ready for BYU. October 2nd. Number six, Herbert Gums, Boise State. Sounds like a city councilman in the That sounds like a, or, like a sugarless gum or <laughs> mouthwash or something. Number five, Seaburn Hines IV, Georgia Southern. Maybe the Lord in Wales or something. I have no comment on that one. Seaburn Hines the fourth. Wow. Can you imagine? Uh, this, this hey, Seaburn. Like, Seaburn, come here. This come is, for a second. This is like Key and Peel, right? This is great. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> East West All-Stars. Money Parks, Utah. Money Talks and No No Parks. There you go. That's, a, that's a actually a good name. I hope he's good. There's a Jason Money on BYU's team. Anybody with the name Money, you got to be. Has got to swag. You know. You got to bring it. Flash, yeah. You got to. Number three, Michael Jackson the third, USC. He's a smooth criminal, man. <laughs> Michael, no I mean, relation. No relation. We should. We should. Nobody should name their kid Michael Jackson. I named my kid Tate Michael Jordan. That's it. But yeah, we talked about this massive. But I did middle name. I didn't set him up to fail. That's unless good. he's a general authority. Then he's Elder T Michael Jordan. Ooh. Know about that. Nice. He's he's a boatload of trouble. There's no way that happens. <laughs> Number two, Adama Fall, Arizona. Given the doctrine of the fall here, Adama and Fall seem to go together pretty good. Adama fell that men might be. Yeah, I was gonna say like that. The Book of Mormon sounds like a, that sounds like a curse. Like, no, it's a good scripture. Not what you said. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, saying, I'm saying his name. Oh. I'm saying his name. Oh, his name. Good. Name sounds like a curse. And the number one name on any opponent BYU play this year. Prophet Brown, USC. He knows what's going to happen. He knows the <laughs> way. Those are the top ten names BYU will face this year. Look, man, we don't never we disappoint. Don't, we don't judge we don't judge the Maybe. players. You know, we we judge we judge the parents. And uh, <laughs> we pray for them. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's head across campus over to the Smith Fieldhouse. Joining us as he prepares for a BYU women's volleyball doubleheader, he is Jerem Jordan. Hi, Jerem. Have you sat in those comfy What's new up? seats? Hey, listen, I'll do it right now. How about that? Let's see. You're uh, going you're gonna to yeah, disappear? Yep. Yeah. Pre- oh, okay. Pretty comfy. Uh, beats the old wooden slash metal benches. So I think it's an upgrade. It's just in this portion on the east side. There's still the rickety old wooden benches, which kind of give this uh, you know, a nostalgic feeling here. Constructed in 1951, but yeah, it's nice. Uh, excited about the doubleheader. We got uh, BYU and Southern Utah coming up at two Eastern time. Southern Utah is a team that uh, went nine and eight last year. They're the only team in this four-team tournament. You see Long Island and UNLV behind us uh, currently on the BYU TV app as well. 
Three of the four went to the NCAA tournament last year, so it's a pretty good tourney. Obviously not a ton of big names, really the best of those, but should be an exciting doubleheader. Long Island tonight, 9 Eastern as well. Jeremy, I just want to say that you look very handsome. Thank you so much. Um, you know, it's, I'll I, Venmo you later. Uh, yeah, no, no problem, man. Um, you know, we, we dusted off the, the Big 12 expansion update desk. Um, Jason's what, favorite subject. What do you, yes. I've <laughs> always, I'm always at the Big 12 expansion <laughs> update desk. What are, you, what are your thoughts of uh, things resurfacing? Yeah, it just depends what BYU wants. Uh, if BYU wants the autonomy still, then being in a league that is the fifth best Power 5 league and maybe isn't going to have that TV contract and who knows if it's going to survive, maybe that's not what you want. I feel like BYU's feeling pretty good. We've talked about this, uh, given how last year went. Number two pick, Zach Wilson, the, all the guys to the NFL, NIO with Bilt Bar. Right now, does BYU feel like it needs a league? I, I don't feel like they do, but... What does BYU want long-term, guys? Because being in a Power 5 league gives you access and exposure, which was the point of independence. Maybe that's changed, but ESPN's a partner. Fox is a partner, right, with the Big 12. BYU TV could continue to have its tertiary rights in some things with men's hoops, right? BYU TV wouldn't have a game, you'd think, uh, for football a year. That's okay. Like, you get more money from a TV deal. I know it's not the same as what the Power Five are getting now, but it's more than what BYU would get as an independent, you'd think, with ESPN. So it just depends what you want. Like, if you want BYU in the playoff one day, if it expands to 12 teams, going into a Power Five league is the worst thing you should do. Being in the AAC would be that option. But don't we all, I think most of us agree, listen, for the long-term stability of BYU football and athletics in general, you don't need an all-in campaign if you're in the, a Power Five league, I don't think. So... Financially, the access BYU can compete with all of its sports in in the Big Twelve. I think it'd be awesome. And Barry Trammell's our homie, right? Like what he said is awesome. I would love for BYU to be in the Big Twelve. Now we're playing big boy football, right? All right. One more question about the Big Twelve, then we're going to move on to volleyball. That's it. Well, look. Here's this is the thing. We've been down this road before, Jerem. We've we've been here where it's like it feels like it's coming, and then something happens and it doesn't happen. Does this feel different to you this time around? Yeah, um, I, I've been saying I think the Big 12 needs to be more desperate. They weren't very desperate in 2016. It was just a leverage play to get a, another TV deal. Feels like there might be some desperation. Obviously, losing to Texas, Oklahoma is a different plight for that league. BYU has it all. They really do. Does BYU come with baggage as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just look at the headlines this week, right? It's been an interesting week that way. BYU would be a great add to the Big 12. I would love it. You would love it. Brian love would love it. it. Let's go. Let's go. All right, volleyball, year in and year out, we know what, uh, honestly, what both volleyball programs on campus do. Heather Olmstead just continues to put out programs that win and win at a high level. How does this year's team stack up to, to even the team we saw just a couple of months ago? Okay, the team that we saw a couple months ago was really good, right? Won the WCC and uh, went to the NCAA tournament and went to the Sweet 16. That's what BYU does. They win conference championships and go to the Sweet 16. What if I told you this team added every starter, kept every starter from last year, and added a three-time All-American from Utah Kenzie Kerber at opposite, and Heather Knighting, the 2018 National Freshman of the Year back from a mission. This team's top ten good. They're Elite Eight good. I dare say they've got a shot at the Final Four. Like, they're legit. They've got one of the best coaches in the country. They're loaded at every position on the court. Whitney Bauer now, the setter, came in as a freshman. She's a junior now. You got senior pins. You got a senior oppo. Uh, you know, Aaron Livingston's developing as that second outside spot. 
two tremendous middles. I mean, like, all-time middles for BYU. This team's amazing. I'm very excited to watch them coming up uh, in, what, like an hour and 15 minutes on uh, BYU TV here against Southern Utah, Long Island tonight, UNLV uh, tomorrow night. So it's going to be fun. This team's legit. I'm, that, that made me excited. I mean, with the, with the, the newcomers and the, the team, um, you know, the returners, right? Um, so when it comes to some of the newcomers that you mentioned, JJ, which uh, are you most interested in watching? Kenzie Kerber, by far the Utah transfer. One, a Utah transfer came down to BYU. Okay, <laughs> I like that. Yes. Uh, and she's legit. Two-time All-Pac-12, which is a tremendous volleyball conference, and uh, three-time All-American. She's on the right side, and Kate Grimmer was a first-team all-conference opposite for BYU last year. Kate Grimmer is going to have to, uh, you know, duke it out and battle with Kenzie Kerber, who is tremendous. It's, that's going to be a fun battle all year, and no one has two good opposites in the country. Like, you have one, and then you hope your backup's good enough if it doesn't work out with the starter if they get hurt. Kenzie Kerber is incredible. She might be the best player on the team, and she adds to an already good group that went to the Sweet 16 and won the league, and she plays with a ton of fire. She's going to be fun to watch. Jerem, the, the person that I'm really interested to see, and, and you mentioned her, is Heather Knighting, and we know how good she was you know, when she played before her mission. Now, she has not been back long, and I don't mean to put you on the spot if you, if you haven't had you know, this conversation. Do, do we know, is she going to immediately get put back in are they going to ease her back in? Do you have any idea how they're going to use Heather Knighting? Heather Knighting uh, is going to play soon, it seems. Uh, Heather Olmstead tried to kind of slow play it, and I think she's protecting her player. Heather Knighting got back in July, so it's not even the end of August yet. So typically with uh, an athlete in men's hoops or football, they wouldn't play at all. They would just redshirt in this situation. Heather Knighting's too good not to play. Her arm is still there, Heather Olmstead said, but physically just kind of getting the speed of the game back. Uh, BYU has some good middles, but she is the second best middle probably right now, and she might be the best middle at the end of the year with Kennedy Eschenberg. Those, that one-two is ridiculous. So I imagine she will start. In fact, I'll be surprised if she doesn't. Maybe Whitney Larinus kind of transitions uh, there initially until Heather's up to speed, but she was an All-American as a freshman. Uh, newcomer of the year, freshman of the year nationally, third team All-ABCA when BYU went to the Final Four on that team, so She's going to be really, really good. It's just how quickly. But I imagine we'll see her play. I won't be surprised if she starts. So, so the more we talk to you um, and I, I see you getting excited and all bubbly. Oh, he's pumped to have uh, some volleyball. I, I know, I know. If, 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 volleyball, baby. If, if people go. knew you, like we know you, we, they, would, they would understand where, where I'm coming from. And, I mean, it sounds like this, this team has a lot of, lot of hype, a um, lot of opportunity. You said, you know, wouldn't surprise you if they made it to, um, you know, the Final Four. Uh, what are you looking for today specifically that can help confirm you know, that statement? I, I can just imagine Heather Olmstead telling me, what are you doing? Why are you creating <laughs> this buzz around our team? I think they're really good. I do. And uh, the fact that you're Sweet 16 and you had two All-Americans, that means you're final, you have a Final Four ability. I think the Sweet 16 is the minimum for this group. I think the Elite Eight is a reality, and the Final Four is possible, just so we're clear. Today, I want to see the rust shaken off. Normally in the spring, you've played in the fall, and the spring is a time to kind of gel together a little bit for the group that is moved on and now it's the new group. They didn't have that, right? But it's the same team. So I'm excited to watch them kind of play. These three matches, honestly, these should be three BYU wins. Um, frankly, I'll be surprised if BYU drops a set. Uh, but let's see how rusty BYU is. there. It, it, UNLV has a situation where their best player who led the country in aces per set the last three years is out. 
uh, Marina Hayden. And then Long Island went to the NCAA tournament last year, but they lost a couple pieces. And uh, UNLV was 13-0 and until the tournament. They were good, but best player gone. And then Southern Utah's got a coach that took the job three weeks ago. So a little bit of everybody's kind of in shambles. BYU's just working out the rust. Uh, it should be a clean, easy weekend for the Cougars. All right. Have, uh, have a good call for both games today and tomorrow. I know you're going to enjoy it. And enjoy those cushion seats if you get an opportunity. Thanks, Jerem. It's, it's that and Magglesby's breakfast. I got like five pieces of bacon. Save so me, I'm feeling no, great right now. Save me some bacon. Me too, please. I'm so sorry I ate all of it. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's typical, Jerem. Thanks, Jerem. What would Jesus do? <laughs> that's Jerem Jordan over at the Smithfield House. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Zach Wilson's performance was incredible. Yeah, it was. He, uh, the win for the Utah, the Utah Jets. I don't know why I said Utah Jets. <laughs> well, they basically are now. Well, I saw the J, and so jazz <laughs> came into my head. So <laughs> for the New York Jets. Hey, Utah Jets. If they're good, they'll be the Utah Jets. Sure, why not? His performance in the New York Jets preseason win over the Packers had Cougar fans talking, but also the rest of the National Football League. And Wilson received rave reviews on social media. And it kind of reminded of us... Uh, of another former Cougar uh, with mass appeal. So is Zach Wilson the new Jimmer? Yes and no. Yes, in that he's the most talked about singular BYU athlete since Jimmer in a national conversation. Um, you know, more than Fred Warner, more than Taysom Hill. Um, but Jimmer is a unique cat where he came from, the small school, the documentaries, the da da da. Like Zach's situation is a little different. So it's yes and no. It, like, in who they are, they're different dudes. Yes. Different kind of dudes. But in the, hey, they're relevant and being convinced yes. at national level, yes. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's yes and no. It's yes because of the way people are reacting in the moment right now. I, I don't know if you – as long as it's positive, I'm retweeting it as soon as I know it's about Zach Wilson. Like, that's the way it was with Jimmer. If it was some about Jimmer and it was something positive, and most of it was – I'm just retweeting it, and that's it's that's kind of where they're similar. So, so you're gauging the retweetability <laughs> of the reaction. Well, it's part of it's part of it. Yeah. But I also will say no. I don't know if Zach is to the level of Jimmer because, and again, if you weren't around for that and don't know what that time was like, what what we're seeing with Zach is not to that level. At least it doesn't feel yeah, to agree. me. In terms of Jimmer mania was. It was nothing like I have ever experienced in my life in terms of covering somebody and, and mass appeal. Yeah. Now, Zach has mass appeal within the NFL. Jimmer was just one of those guys that seemed to be everywhere, and everybody was talking about him. I, I don't think Zach's at that level yet. Now, I certainly could, depending on how this season goes. But, but right now, I don't know if it's to that level. But in terms of in the NFL sphere... He's, he's one of the darlings. There's no question about it. Let's talk about relatability, okay? Zach, is, it's chronicled. He, he comes from a family who is affluent. That's not as relatable generally. I'm not saying it's a negative. I'm just saying it's not as relatable. Jimmer didn't grow up in that kind of situation. 6'2", white kid basketball player. That's different kind of relatability than 6'3", uh, quarterback, right? It's, it's different in their positions, in their demographics, in their makeup, right, as well. 
Um, but it's all good. Like if Zach leads the Jets to a Super Bowl in the next three years, we will see Wilson Mania. Uh this year, right? Get out of here. Unfortunately, they would lose to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, and then we would go on to win the title. There you go. Okay, we've got to run through some of the reaction over the weekend. Okay, let's walk through this. At Billy Hot Takes, who writes for Barstool Sports, <laughs> if Zach Wilson wins the Super Bowl for the Jets, I will convert to Mormonism. You hey, write about that. Let's save this, because as soon as that happens, we can send a couple of guys over. Yeah, we know a few friends. <laughs> Hashtag safety zone. Louis Lapuahu. Just like that, Zach's mission has been more productive than mine. <laughs> Robert Sala on Zach Wilson. His process is light years ahead of what a normal rookie's process should be. Yep. NFL Network quoting Aaron Rodgers. He can throw the heck out of it. They spent practice in the week together. And I appreciate him using cool. heck coming from BYU. Yep. Then we can actually read it. Uh, BYU Barstool. This is my favorite tweet of the whole weekend. It's a picture of Zach kind of smirking at a, an offensive lineman. Zach looking at all the Coastal Carolina players currently living in their mom's basements. <laughs> That's great. We don't endorse that tweet, but we read it. Oh. Robbie McCombs uh, took less than a half for Zach Wilson to be the number two trending topic in the U.S. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Chad Johnson, y'all see Zach Wilson, though? Pretty good. PFF, Zach Wilson, 137.7 passer rating this preseason, first among all quarterbacks. And last but not least, our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Ooh, the mom's thing. Still getting it. Uh, Wilson, 5 for 5, 94 yards and a touchdown on throws of 10-plus yards downfield. Okay, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, ESPN Stats, and Info. He's doing what he did last year. I don't want to overreact to preseason games, but he is doing as well as he could possibly do. Which is very exciting. Yes. We, we, we missed one of the tweets. Kendrick Perkins, who people know <laughs> is former NBA guy, now just kind of throws out hot takes. I find him extremely entertaining. Um, and I think he's great. He tweeted out, I know it's preseason, but I tried to warn you all about how elite Zach Wilson is. Oh, the E-word. Don't mind me, though, and carry on. Carry on. And carry, that's how he ends all tweets. Yep, yep. I, he cracks me up, and so I just found it funny that he was tweeting about Zach Wilson, too. Everybody is, man. The uh, whole world is tweeting a, about Zach Wilson. It's a, well, not the whole world, but it's it's preseason, so uh, there's that. Just you know, but he's he's doing really really well, which is exciting. It's gonna be fun. So I have NFL Sunday tickets, so I can watch the Seahawks no matter what. I'm gonna be watching every Jets game. Can I have your? Can I? Have, can we share? I'll give you some money if you'll share your your login. Yeah, yeah sure. We we have this on camera. He said yes. Yeah, it's fine. Spence, I don't know if I can go three ways, though. Come on. Our question of the day, is Zach Wilson the new Jimmer? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Weigh in on uh, Friendster, MySpace, and, uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, and Meerkat. <laughs> and Meerkat. It's my favorite. Meerkat Face- is my favorite. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Kip Kent. <laughs> Related to Roy Kent? On Twitter. Not until his name becomes widely used as a verb. You got jimmered. It was everywhere at the height of jimmer mania. I haven't heard, heard anyone say, you got zacked just yet, maybe in time. That's true. It is true. That, uh, teach me how to jimmer. Uh, there are a few things. You need a dance. You need Look, a Look, let's not pretend that his name being jimmer didn't help out the situation. True. There's a brand. Yes, uh, it is unique. I don't know that Zach will ever get to sort of the unique status of that, but he could actually become... Uh, I mean, well, I, I think basketball is more global as well. I think that affects this conversation. We're like, it I went, don't know if I agree it with went that. international. Like, Jimmer went international. Yeah, well, there's no question. Zach Wilson's not going to go international to the same degree. They are playing in London this year. Fo- oh, cool, one game. Because football is an American thing, right? 
I wonder if uh, maybe we send a crew over to jolly old England. Hey, I'll go to a Chelsea game or two. That'd be fun. Well, that, that, backf- that backfired you, on you me. You didn't see that coming. Didn't, did I, I, I should have, but I didn't. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.